Hello, and welcome to Inclusionomics, a podcast that provides tools to all women who are challenged with finding or having access to positions of power. We help you navigate the path to being seen, being heard, and being included. Everyone is welcome here. It is an inclusion podcast after all, and we hope that you're here for all of that. Today's topic is You Should Have Broke the Rules, and your hosts are Stacey Gordon, that's me, Lisa Gates, and Thiele Thatch. There are so many rules to live by. Be strong, but don't be bossy. Speak up. Nope, you should have stayed quiet and listened more. Talk about your accomplishments. No, you should use the we voice. Let your hair down. Nope, you should have fixed your hair. We know you're tired of living by rules. Rules that you don't even realize you're living by. Rules that you may have made up in your head. So we're going to talk about this and share some stories and advice to help you get used to breaking the rules. So ladies, we've got some great stories today that we're going to talk about. And uh, who wants to go first? Well, I think uh, this is Lisa. I'll share something that happened just last night. Uh, I was teaching a negotiation workshop at uh, Antioch University in their women's leadership program. And we were talking about how to move past no and and ways of breaking through impasse by asking questions, open-ended questions to get at the underlying reasons why the other person is saying no, that kind of thing. And the room was about three quarters full of women of color. And one black woman says to me, okay, I get this whole thing. I understand it. I understand we need to kind of push through things. um, And in a collaborative way, this works for me. But what doesn't work for me is the feeling that if I do push back, that somebody's going to call me an angry black woman. What do you do about that? And so there I am, you know, 60 years old, white as they come. And I said, you know, this is me talking from a position of privilege, I believe. I've been a rule breaker all my life. Um, I stand up to anyone who does something that is unacceptable in some way. So if someone's interrupting me or taking over my presentation or doing, you know, uh, appropriating credit, that kind of thing, I'm the kind of person who's going to say something in the moment. Um, Or, you know, in some cases, behind closed doors, but I'm not going to let the moment go by. This took a while to develop, but I realize me saying that is a lot different than what then the rules that go through your head as a person of color. So I don't feel that I'm the best person to give advice. Although I think in this me too moment that we're in, we need to step more into that realm and, and call things out as they happen so that we can repair them. But the room came up, everybody in the room uh, came up with their ideas, their solutions for that kind of moment. Um, And pretty much the upshot was to gather your allies, to, to have two or three people who are willing to speak on your behalf. You know, you solve that issue privately with that person, but you bring it up later in the context of a meeting where you've got other voices echoing 
um, um, kind of your position or what you're noticing in terms of bias and in terms of different treatment, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Talking about is being willing to break those rules to step through that. So, over to you. What's your thought about that? Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense, and I think that um, you know some of the rules are kind of in our heads, but they're in our heads for good reason. And um, so there's rules that are in our heads. There's also rules that are in the heads of people who, um, you know, for a better example, I'll say if I'm the, the employee and, and, and their manager, right? The employee has one set of rules they're thinking about and they're thinking, well, I can't say this because my manager might say something else or might be thinking something else in, in response. Um, as an example, um, you know, being in a meeting and asking a question, a manager is immediately assuming I am questioning their authority. Whereas I'm not questioning their authority. I'm just questioning the project or the deliverables. I, I legitimately have questions about this project. Um, and I don't know if it's my tone or if it's, you know, unconscious bias or what that is, but there's a lot of times there's pushback. So what happens is I then say, well, you know what, in future meetings, I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to be cast as the angry black woman. Mm-hmm. And so it really is important to, um, to try to, to get past that. And um, what I've learned is having... That's more about setting expectations with people, especially your boss, to say, you know, it's, it, it's my strategic thinking brain going off. I'm really the questions are about understanding the totality of the project or the impact or implications. So I'm really not coming from a dismissive place. It's more curiosity and strategy. It, it, there definitely is some of that, but I think it also is, um, you know, you're taught, you start to learn, um, because you're not taught this, you learn this over time, that if you do have questions, if you do have thoughts, if there are things that are going on in your head, that you should sort of get some consensus and start to have those conversations prior to the meeting so that you're not blindsiding somebody in a, in a meeting, right? And um, that that's a learned behavior that takes time, which is why I love this podcast, because we're able to kind of impart this, this information to people up front. Um, and so for the, the people younger in their careers that are listening, it's, you know, you, you learn this a little sooner rather than, than later, like most of us in, in life. Well, one of the things that stood out for me when, Lisa, you shared your story was the, um, the advice to gather your allies. And that's something that as a, as a Black woman, I had to learn later on in my career. And I'm not saying that because that happened because I was a Black woman or the, the fact is there just were not a lot of people who look like me and, you know, throughout my career. So at times I didn't know how to uh, establish allies. And so I think that was great advice. I think uh, if, I wish I would have learned earlier that. I could have allies from, you know, all different backgrounds. Um, but I think that, you know, my first, my com- trying to be comfortable was I typically would go into a workplace earlier in my career and look for people who look like me to make them my allies. So as a minority within the organization, you don't always have that 
you know, you can't just look for people who look like you or you probably won't have a lot of allies because there's not a lot of people who look like you. So I think that's where mm-hmm. I, and I'll just speak for myself. I had a disadvantage because it took me a while to trust people who didn't look like me to make them my allies so I could feel safe to break any rules or or change rules and, and uh, be a disruptor. Well, there's also the idea. Doesn't that also speak to your... Um, you know, we're the the other rules that are inside us or inside people of color about the totality of history where you have been living by rules and can't break the rules. Or, it does, but I want to also yeah. just say back to, to what Thiele was saying about having allies that look like you, that's that sense of belonging, right? We, we go into a workplace looking for people that look like us, but unfortunately, when we find them, that's not power. Like, in order for us to break rules, you have to be empowered. Mm-hmm. And having, um, you know, a group of, of women or Black women or whatever it might be, LGBTQ, you know, um, employees come together, we just look like we're airing a grievance, right? So you still have to make sure that you do have allies that don't look like you in order to get, to put power behind what you're saying. Yes. And that is something that came up in the conversation last night, was that it was important to break that mold, you know? Yeah. So I had a story. Do you want to hear it? Of course. <laughs> so one a quick story that was a pivotal point in my career was uh, how I became a and how I became a diversity person was I had a performance review with my direct report and my direct report basically asked me to create a stretch goal and when I was creating the stretch goal I was always fascinated but yet overwhelmed by diversity and inclusion like to me I'm like oh how do you even do that in human resources after doing human resources for 15 years I could not wrap my brain around what D&I would look like and so I said well I would love to have D&I or diversity I didn't even know what inclusion was at the time Um, diversity as a stretch goal and the person I reported to instantly said I wouldn't recommend that that would put you on a list and you would get fired And I said, well, why would I be fired? Well, the company would never support diversity goals. And I said, well, okay. Um, I thought maybe she was just having a bad day or something. And I said, well, okay. Can I just research and learn about it? And I had to push. So this is the point right here where I'm breaking the rule because typically for me personally, if I'm in my performance review and I know that my performance review is attached to uh, monetary compensation, I'm going to say, okay, I'll drop that now so I can get my money. <laughs> but I pushed through and I said, I still want to learn more about DNI or di- sorry, diversity. And the person said, okay, that's, that's up to you. And I added that to my stretch goal. And that was a big risk. And that was a big rule breaker for me, just going against what she thought would be a better goal for me. Eventually, it led to D and a diversity and inclusion department, but it was a rule breaker. I wonder how far past that we are in general. Um, 
you know, there's a lot of conversation, a lot of expertise popping up, a lot of people who are, are doing this for a living. I just wonder um, how, mu- how much it's infiltrated organizations overall. Do we have any knowledge or information about that? Are you talking about diversity or are we talking yeah. about rule breaking? <laughs> well, <laughs> I just want, it took a lot of rule breakers to get us to this point where yeah. it's, at least it's in the conversation and any, it's in the daily in the conversation. Yeah, I don't have any data about it, but while we were, while I was thinking about this topic, I just think about disruptors and I think about how we have people who have been disruptors uh, in our recent in our recent, uh, you know, companies like Airbnb and Uber, you know, who would have thought, whose idea was it to share mattresses and then make that into a company? Um, whose idea was it to change the way we pick up, you know, what, whenever we get a taxi? No, now we have Uber. Right. So this, to me, those are the um, rule breakers and people constantly saying, no, this will never work. Um, and it's like, no, let's rent out an air mattress. And then let's take those names off of Craigslist and tell people, oh, we have air mattresses. For and <laughs> that's how Airbnb started. And so it's those type that, so companies and organizations say they want that type of thinking so that they can have innovation. But when you come into a room like me, you and Stacey, if we come into a room like, hey, let's, you know what, instead of having a conference this year, let's all just rent air mattresses and go out in the grass. Shut up. What are you talking about? (laughs) We're going to do it the same way every year. So that's what I think about. I don't have any data around that, but I mean, you could look at the different companies that have grown over this these past few years um, that have have disrupted the way we do business. Mm -hmm. And that's the rule break. It took one person who's a rule breaker to come up with these ideas for these companies. And so... Right. And so I think where the diversity comes in, <clears throat> if we tie diversity to rule breaking, right, we, there are stats that show the more diverse the company, the more innovative it is. Sure. And the more innovative you are, the better products you're going to put out, the more money you're going to make. And um, so there are statistics that show that. I do think, though, the companies that are willing to embrace diversity are the ones that are going to continue to move forward and and um, be profitable and be desirable by other individuals who actually want to work there, and those that are just doing lip service to it, they're not going to be. They're not going to make it, you know. Right. And they don't see that because today they're making money, but <clears throat> as um, a, a, as we continue to progress, as the future of work, everyone's talking about the future of work, the future of HR. Um, I, I think that we have to really be be serious about that and see that there are companies that are taking too long to to turn their ship, um, and right. they're not going to be around in ten years. I mean, let's look at Yahoo, for example. Right, right. That was a company that whoever would have thought that wouldn't be around, right? Um, I mean, there are a lot of examples like that of large companies that have either been broken up and sold into parts or are just gone. You know, we look at BlackBerry. Um, You look at even companies like, you know, I hate to say Sony. Sony is doing, Sony used to be a lot more innovative than they are right now. Now, Hopefully, maybe they're going to come out with some great new things soon, but if they don't, 
they're going to they're going to go the way of Yahoo. You look at Redbox and Netflix. Right, right. And the opportunity that was there for Redbox that they're still trying to climb. Blockbuster, back. yeah. Oh, Blockbuster! Oh my goodness. Well, the other thing that I wanted I wanted to bring up too is the opposite of breaking the rules, and that's being complicit. So we've talked a lot uh, together, uh, you know, about Me Too and Times Up, and you think about those people who came out at the workplace of, you know, they broke the rules by speaking up, and now we have these movements, Me Too, Times Up, and all these different, unfortunately, lawsuits. Um, so there's times where you have to break the rules just to change the culture when the, when, excuse me, when the culture is toxic. So what about that? Well, there, we've got examples everywhere. Um, you know, Rosa Parks. Um, uh, you know, yeah, we have to break the rules to get somewhere, to move the dial. Yeah, I think if we are going to move the dial on every, you know, on all the social issues that are challenging us, we have to be willing to break the rules. Um, I was going to tell a story about um, working as a waitress years ago in Los Angeles when I was being an actor, and I was working <clears throat> with a guy who was constantly brushing up against me and touching me and patting my butt and doing all of the things that men think they can do. And I went to management, who were, uh, was a man and a woman. They both dismissed me and said, just deal with it. And so finally one day, he, I was serving a table, and he went by me and patted me on the butt again, which was seen by a lot of people. And I turned around, and I just clocked him. I slapped him across the face. And the entire restaurant <laughs> stood up and applauded. <laughs> and so um, I was able to go to my my manager with all of that social proof behind me saying, this guy really needs to be fired. He's a menace. And shortly after that, he was gone. So I didn't consciously make a decision to be a rule breaker, but I, but I could feel an injustice when it was happening. Well, and, and in that instance, that or, you know, Right, but in that instance, were you really breaking a rule? So this is the thing. To me, yes. you're yes, defending yourself, right? You were defending, I was defending yourself. defending myself, but I, we all have been taught, uh, at least at that time, not so much now, not at all now, right? That would be a fireable offense. But back in the day, it was go along, get along, don't say anything. That's just the way men are. You're just going to have to learn to deal with that, uh, you know, and and that's just something I couldn't tolerate even back then. Yeah. So. And I think that's important, you know, like now we still have though, there there is that that fear. So unfortunately, um there are there are a lot of rules that we have to live by, a lot of unspoken rules in the workplace. And we have been taught that you follow the rules, you know, what your manager says goes. Um, and you just, like you said, you go along to get along and that's the way that it is. And I think that if anyone is going to make a change, do something different, this would be the time to do it. 
right? Um, because there are so many movements happening, um, this is the time where people are paying attention. And so, you know, if you're feeling fearful, you're having issues, I do think it's important to reach out, right? Find those allies, discuss the situation because sometimes you have a blind spot and you don't really see everything there, but having a talk with somebody else who can give you some, some um, input will be really helpful to being able to evaluate and discuss uh, that situation. I think that's great advice, Stacey. And I think you can apply that to another unspoken rule that especially as an HR person that we've been tra- kind of trained to deal with, and that's meritocracy. And so you're taught or we're taught, you know, work your way up. Don't, you know, wait your turn and don't jump in when it's not your turn. And some others are taught, you know what, go for it. If you have an opportunity that comes up, you should go for it, whether you're qualified or not, um, whether the promotion is listed or not. Um, I know for me in my career, in the last five jobs that I've had, I've created those jobs from thin air. I had to write the job description. I had to create the job, the budget. And people told me no, 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 at least 20 times that they're not going to have a budget for me. They don't want the job. <laughs> they don't want. And so I had to learn to to pass, you know, to uh, put the meritocracy aside and just make up a role. So how do you, I mean, I know how to do that. I've I've learned how to do that. But that took some time for me to learn how to create, uh, to create opportunities for myself that people told me did not exist. So my story about don't talk about diversity, you're going to get fired. I talked about it. I became a diversity leader. But it was a risk I had to take. And I couldn't say, well, I'll just wait my turn, wait till they create a diversity role. Maybe then I'll apply for it. I'll wait. I'll see if I'm one that's picked out of the group. And, I, you know, uh, that's what I hear. You know, and I'll just wait and hope that one day they'll look at me and they'll see all my hard work and they'll pick me. Oh my gosh, yeah. Right. And I think we have to look at too, right, the different levels. So, you know, we talked about Lisa when she was waitressing, right? That's different. You know, like what are the opportunities? I think sometimes we have to look at, well, I, I, I was, so I was going to say, I think we have to look at the, these, these opportunities and say, well, we're at different levels in our life. We might not have as much opportunity when we're in a lower level, you know, hourly position versus at a manager or, you know, a director level. Um, but I do think that that's another one of those rules that we have to um, stop living by because some of those rules are in our head because, um, if we have to make those those opportunities for ourselves and understand the conf- the confines of where we are, right. so yeah, being realistic with what we're trying to do, but also not limiting ourselves and saying, "Well, there's no point because right." We have to we have to try. We have to go for it. And I think too often we go the route of saying it, that there's no point because, and we talk ourselves out of doing the thing, breaking the rule that will actually, you know, could help us get to that next level. Um, and so if you look at, um, uh, what's her name? The, the um, Megan Rapino, right? 
there's somebody who is definitely breaking the rules. And it's so funny because I just saw a Newsweek article titled, and I quote, Megan Rapinoe's antics are going to turn Americans off women's soccer. And you know what I thought when I so read So says a man. Right. But, but here's what I thought when I said it. It says, Megan Rapinoe's antics are going to turn Americans off women's soccer. And I thought, no, what you mean to say is white men. You don't mean American. Yeah. I had That's that right. comment. I had someone say that to me in a meeting that, that almost an exact quote that that's going to turn people off from diversity. You, you know, making right. Right. Um, that's when power is starting to worry about losing power. Right. Well, and that's I, when Megan has that Megan, power right now, right? right? She's wielding it. And that is so great. So good on her. Well, Megan can't the stop power that she's got. Should she stop? I mean, right. So she should not stop breaking the rules, but. Oh, why should she? Feedback. And yeah. it'll probably open up other opportunities for her. So right. it's, it's the stretch. It's the pendulum swing. We're going right. way out. Right. So we can come to a new equilibrium. Then we're going to stretch again. And, uh, you know, I think the, the thing that's so interesting is that she controls her conversation. She is the boss of her conversation. And it just so happens that her conversation is all of our conversation. You know, it's what we're all about right now uh, in all of the multiple movements that are happening at this great point in time. But I, another thing came up from, from what you were sharing, Phile, is the whole thing of, you know, um, leading when you don't have authority. And, and being willing to break that sort of hierarchical chain, um, I, I was in a, a, a role, a coordinator role in a PR firm, and we had just gone through a recession, and half of our team was fired, um, well, let go, excuse me, and uh, we were just at each other's necks because we didn't know what to do. We were scrambling all the time. We couldn't get things done on time. We didn't have the resources. We didn't have the talent any longer. And I went to my boss and I said, "Can you, you've got to help us. We're going to kill each other. And he said, actually, I want you to help uh, each other. Come up with a solution. And if it's good, I'm going to sign off on it. So basically, he said, turn your complaint into a solution. And I, we went into a conference room and we put all of our job description elements on, uh, on, a, on post-it notes. And even the people who were gone, we put the main, their main job description elements on a post-it note. And we said, okay, throw it out. Throw, throw your role out. You do not have that role anymore. Pick your passion. Pick your favorite thing. What do you want to be doing? And we went, the five of us went through that process until we had three or four things left that nobody could do, that we would need to resource from other teams. Um, and that was our solution, was to completely break up what we were hired for and, and get to the bottom of trying to, to do better work, to do good work, get things done. And went to, back to our, you know, I went back to my boss and I said, here's is a solution, what do you think? And he was dumbfounded right so had i'm not trying to pat myself on the back but had i not break yourself on the back pat myself on the back for breaking that sort of perception or the chain of command or um um well wait a minute i'm not the boss here i don't i don't know 
I don't know anything. Well, now as a tactic, as a consultant, this is really popular to bring in thought designers and bring in, you know, thought labs where you pull employees together who are struggling, like you just described, and you have an innovative lab and you just throw everything at the hey, let's just throw everything on this white wall and break it. Let's just break let's everything. Break this thing. Let's That's right. Let's this whole thing down in this room in these four to five hours. And this is a great time where employees can break all the rules. I hate the sick time policy. I hate the leave policy. I hate this. I hate the coffee machine. (laughs) (laughs) And that's a great way to productively let employees break the rules and come up with new ideas. And that's becoming a really big practice now for a lot of organizations. So. I'm glad you mentioned that. And I think it's a good point. Can we circle back to something? Uh, I want to circle back to the um, internal piece that that we have rolling around, you know, the the rules inside our head um, that are different for, I mean, we're all human. We have the sort of the same fears, uh, expectations, rules, all of that, but where we differ um, say for um, black people. So let's talk about that. We were talking about it before. Like there are these written and unwritten rules, cultural sort of expectations from eons of experience. Well, I know for me, one of the unwritten, excuse me, rules is stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Don't go out. Stay in your lane. Why are you doing more? than what was asked of you and stay under the radar. So I must've spent maybe 15 years of my career trying to stay in my lane, stay under the radar, get my check and be grateful. So that's definitely an unwritten rule for me. And once I've started to break that rule and go way out the lane, start coloring out the line, um, that's when I started to grow in my career. That's when executives started to notice me. But when I would just do the, you know, what I thought would, comply to the meritocracy that I thought, you know, I bought into. I was not, you know, making the money I wanted to make. I wasn't where I wanted to be. And I think what you just said, Thiele, is the be grateful piece, right? We're all taught to be grateful. It's like, who do you think you are that you might potentially deserve more than what you've been given? Be thankful for what you've been given. Say, thank you very much. And keep it moving, right? You're like, you, you're not supposed to, um, to want more. You're not supposed to desire more. And when you do, then you're seen as this, you know, that this uppity person um, who can't, you know, as you said, stay in, in your lane. And so we have to break that because I realize a lot of that is in our heads. Because um, yeah, you might have some haters, but who cares, right? They don't yeah. live in your house. They don't feed your children. They don't pay your bills. Um, and so the people who really care about you are going to be happy that well, you are doing more and are out there um, striving for more and, and for bettering your life. So I think that we have to take that, that negative self-talk out of our head that says, you know, who are we to, to want this and to actually go for it? I don't know if this applies to, you know, it probably applies to a lot of different cultures, but I just have this voice in my head. I remember growing up, you know, coming from a black family and I just hear them saying, you're going to mess that job up, girl. She messed that job up. (laughs) Like, don't you mess that job up. 
don't you get fired. Don't you get fired until you get a new job. Like that's what was drilled into my brain. Don't you mess that job up and don't you get fired. You do not get fired until you have a new job. But that's because, but why is that? It's because of that fear, the fear that we might not get another job, right? So that goes back to that scarcity. It Mm -hmm. has been traditionally so difficult for men of color, especially to get good jobs. So when you got a good job, you hold on for dear life because you're like, Mm -hmm. I might not see another one. Mm -hmm. And so you will put up with all kinds of BS. You will take people disrespecting you and down talking to you and all the rest of it and piling work on you and having you work late and work weekends because you just have not been in a place where you realize you can do better. And so that's the piece that we're now starting to realize that, you know what, we don't have to take this. We don't have to, uh, to listen to this BS. Uh, we can strive for more, and especially right now with the economy uh, being so much better. We're, you know, people of color are so much, we have so much education, we have so much experience. Um, and mm-hmm. unfortunately, it's still not valued as much in the workplace. You know, we're still being paid less. We're still being, um, you know, not offered the same types of opportunities that, are, you know, that are being afforded to others. And so that's a very real reality for most people of color in, yeah. in the workplace. What do you think of this rule breaker? What do you think of this rule breaker regarding, especially what you just said about we're not being paid the same? You're in an, you're, you've been offered uh, a role or perhaps you're already in a role and you've gotten like, you're about to get a raise and you say, um, what, what assurances can you give me that the salary or the compensation you're offering me is in alignment with other people in similar roles, especially white people? Girl, that's never going to come out of anybody's mouth. <laughs> um, I think I'm that's often recommending but, that women say this when they're being interviewed. Is, oh, what assurances can you give me that the, the salary you're going to offer me is well, with other people? In some I came way. from one organization who could give that assurance because they had their salary all based on a um, sliding, you know, they had a scale, a compensation scale that was the same for every role. Mm-hmm. So someone asked, there was one company out of many that I worked for. Where, of course, we can give you an assurance because this is how the jobs are set and we have the criteria that puts you on this pay range. But yeah, that was a, that was a rare. Anyone else, they would not. You probably just, I can't not give you any assurance. That's what. <laughs> I'm going to say this. Like, I mean, it's kind of like, the diversity conversation I've been having recently with <clears throat> companies. And what I'm realizing is everyone wants to get to this. To me, di- having diversity and inclusion and belonging is this place of nirvana, right? And we don't have nirvana. And I'm not a magician. So if you want me to come out and do some unconscious bias training and help you get to this great culture in your workplace, That's not going to happen until you deal with the underlying issues of civility and respect and trust in your workplace. And so I think that's very true. The same for we talk about compensation. That's not a conversation that we can even get to until the companies deal with all their other issues that they've got going on. And so not to say 
it's it's not for the the candidate to sit in um like you, you can have that conversation in a different tone, but you can't do it from a place of like race and ethnicity, especially because most companies don't even have the wherewithal to track that. They're not even tracking that. One company that I know of, and you can Google it, is Salesforce. Salesforce for the past three to four years have openly come out and said they are on a mission to address pay equity for women and minorities in their company. So if you went on an interview and say, hey, I saw a Salesforce article says you're, what are you doing? It, it would not be an unnatural conversation. Right. So just to say that company would have had to come out, quote unquote, and say, we have a pay equity issue with women and minorities and we're working on it. And then you can ask that question because unless they've confessed that they have that issue, you're right, Stacey, they're not going to. They're not going to move forward. And I will, I will tell you that the women that I've worked with, consulted with on salary negotiation who have used that question. Mm-hmm. But it's they, different when you're talking about women. I'm saying I, I, I totally cannot do agree. it for race and ethnicity. I yeah, wouldn't yeah. go there, right? So I think that, you know, I don't want to set our listeners up for, for failure on that. Yes. But, but I, I do want our listeners, like, as we sort of... Right. Like as we close this out, I do want them to realize that, you know what, you can break the rules, right, without as many consequences as we're imagining. So we start, we imagine all of these these consequences. Yes, many of them may have been real for our sister or for our cousin's cousin's mama or whatever, right? But it doesn't necessarily mean it has to be real for us. And I think that especially in the time we're in now, we have a great opportunity to look at breaking those rules, um, looking at our circumstances and seeing where it makes sense, being realistic, right? But there definitely is the opportunity more so now that than, than at any other time in our history. So I think that what I want the readers, uh, readers or listeners to take away from this is that yeah, go for it. And that there are not nearly as many consequences as we're imagining in, in, in our minds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it goes back to another comment that I made on a different conversation we had around professional courage. And yes, that's right. That has to align. When you break a rule, that rule has to align with your integrity and your authenticity. So when certain things that are happening, I don't, you know, you could think of a thousand things. Um, you have to make a decision if that aligns with who you are. And so let's say you have two amazing job offers and you really don't care if you get the one or the other. Then ask that tough question. Ask the tough question. What's the worst thing they can do? And in some situations, and I personally, I'm a risk taker. I'm a big risk taker. So for the risk takers who are listening, <laughs> ask that question. And you better be ready for the write-up, the backlash, the termination. And I had to count that level of cost at times when I would break a rule and or push the envelope. I would I had to really be ready. It, I, they may decide to fire me. And it goes back to the beginning when my boss said, they will fire you. And I still continue. You have to be ready to take that risk. And that's, you know what, that's how you choose to live your life. So that's the only, I think Stacey and I have a little bit of a difference there in terms of if that's how you choose to live your life and you want to stay at a company for one year, get fired, go to another company for another year, right? Until you find that fit for you. That, but that's, you know, that's what happens when you break the rules, but it could land you the opportunity of your lifetime. 
So what do you ladies think? You got real quiet. (laughs) No, I think that's great. And I think I was thinking that's a great note to end on because that's wonderful. And, um, you know, you do, you have to take, take stock of where you are. That's kind of the advice I give when I'm coaching, right? Career coaching Mm -hmm. is where are you today and what are you willing to risk? Only, you know, what you're willing to risk. And that's why, you know, once you know what you're willing to risk, you've got to be willing to, to be in that place. And if you're not in that place yet, that's okay. You might not be there today, but you might be there tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So um, you just, you, the professional right. courage, Thiele, is a, is a really great point. And um, yeah. I think that's what you need to break the rules, right? It's professional courage. Uh, and a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I think on that note, we're going to close it out for this, uh, this episode. And um, we, we thank everyone for listening as always. And um, Definitely, we, you know, Thiele, Lisa, and I, we're here sharing our learning and our experiences with you. And we hope that if you like today's discussion, that you'll like us, share us, and listen in next time. You have been listening to Inclusionomics with Lisa Gates, Thiele Thatch, and Stacey Gordon. Visit inclusionomics.net to subscribe and download.